You're listening to KJ Recaps. Welcome back to KJ Recaps. We are here recapping Stranger Things Season 2, Episode 2, Trick or Treat Freak. I am Jess. I'm Kim. Uh, Kim, so this is the Halloween-themed episode of a kind of Halloween-themed season. So, like, <laughs> But this is the actual <laughs> trick-or-treating one. Yes. And I should say that I am recording this podcast dressed as a flapper girl, having just come from a Halloween party myself. So I feel like... I am in pajamas because <laughs> I am less cool. No, you're just dressed as a cool, comfy person. Oh, my God, so true. But those Ghostbusters costumes are just like... So I mean, epic and amazing. So amazing. I'm so sad that it resulted in ridicule when they should have been like hailed as the best Halloween costume of the school. As, and like someone I was at the party with, I was saying I was coming here to do this and she's like, her son, who's kind of that age, loves the show and they watch it together. And I was like, I feel like it's full of good messages because <laughs> absolutely you are cool for dressing up for Halloween and like screw all these cool kids who... You absolutely are. Collectively Although, decided. Although like on a quick Quick side note, when they discovered that no one in the school was wearing costumes, why did they keep the proton packs on? They like went, they were all in. I agree. It's just like <laughs> it's the best and we can talk about it when we get there, but like Dustin especially is just <laughs> the cutest of all time in I this know. entire thing. So uh so if you are new, welcome. We are recapping Stranger Things by episode by episode, so we have not watched beyond episode two. Um, congratulations to us. And we are going to be going through this <laughs> scene by scene in a uh, spoiler-free in terms of the rest of the episodes to come in this season. Uh, it always hurts to press stop. And you have to press stop really fast. I know. Netflix people. Like, I, I'm, i like, still taking notes, and I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> it's going to start going in the next one. So, And, like, it always kind of opens with a bang. Most of the yeah. time, the cold open uh, starts off with like a revelation. We definitely saw it in season one with Barb, especially like wakes up in a pool in the upside down. And this was another one. Right. Like if we let this go too long, it would have been spoiled. Not that we didn't know that Eleven was alive, but this opens to a really cool scene yeah. of immediately after the end of season one with Eleven still in the school, which like I was so happy to see. I was really surprised that she really did not spend much time at all in the Upside Down. I agree. I think it's very interesting that she is immediately out. Now, I feel super bad that she spent like a month plus in the forest. Yes. Like enough time to grow her hair out considerably. Agree. Um, And like just this poor little girl who has had such a shitty life. But... um, but yes, absolutely. It, I, but I guess, you know, like, forest is better than upside down. Agreed. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. So we opened up with a bang. This episode in general, I was really, like, loving. I will say that um, I might have leapt to some incorrect conclusions after <laughs> after episode one. Particularly with the role that Billy the new badass will play well, in the show. Well, Billy the complete jackass. He's a psycho! But like, I think, okay, I think you're too hard on yourself because I wanted to congratulate you on your camcorder predictions, which have completely come to fruition. And you think? 
Excellent. Well, just like it's already incorporated so much into everything we're seeing, I think it's going to play. I do have theories. I have further theories about what is going to be on that camcorder when it's found. Because I think that so. Because Will had it. Yeah, Will had it. Will dropped it when he goes into the upside down. Yeah. (gasps) Did the camcorder go with him? Right. And is there an image of the spider monster on there? Maybe. Or is Bob just super upset that his camcorder is possibly broken? <laughs> <laughs> it's really terrible that like after that scene when Mike and Will are having this huge heart to heart and Will is explaining that he's like, you know, living in between two mm-hmm. worlds and whatever the whole time I was like, Will, where is the camcorder? camcorder. Bob's going to be so mad. Like, I don't know what his staff discount is at Radio Shack, but those <laughs> things were like $6,000. No. But then again, the Bob is so sweet. There's no chance that. Oh, I hope it does and sucks. <laughs> I think my favorite line. Oh my is, god! Like repeating. I love him so much, and yet the more I see, it's the more right. it's, it's just not. No, it's not going to work. It's no. not adding up. Absolutely. So we are just all over the place here right now. <laughs> we're just going to go we're, through the entire episode. We're right just going right to talk about everything yeah. at random. <laughs> um, no, we should get into the scene by scene, and then we can sort of pick up these discussions as we hit them um, when the, we get to them in the episode, but. Well, we always miss stuff when we kind of go all over the place. So yes, let's. there's a reason we're structured. So uh, absolutely, thanks for joining us. We're going to dive in. And as always, if you want to leave us re- reviews, uh, thoughts, comments, hypotheticals, just remember that we are going in order. So please don't give us what's happening in episode six because yeah. <laughs> we'd like to get there ourselves. But uh, kjrecaps.com slash feedback or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And we post when we're releasing these episodes. We really are trying to work on kind of an episode a day here as best we can. Uh, but obviously there's a lot to it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, thanks for joining us and let's dive in. Okay, so... Cold Open, as I mentioned, opens with Eleven, where she was at the end of season one. So she has just, like, blasted the Demogorgon (laughs) with her uh, telekinetic powers. And this burst of energy, I assume, is what... Pushed her, pushed her yeah. into the upside down, which is a theory that we um, had at the end of season one. We're geniuses. Yeah, yes. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Just like don't pay attention to the stuff we get wrong. Um, so, uh, so in the upside down, she is walking through the halls of the school, calling out Mike's name in a really kind of heart wrenching way. Oh, I know. And I mean, it it kind of occurs to me. Uh, maybe stupidly that like Elle has never been in the upside down. She seemed so sort of familiar with it and stuff, but I don't think she's ever been on because the Because she's side. been in that like in between space. The That's black, right. Right. So she really she's doesn't. She's been with the Demogorgon, but not necessarily in this in space. In this world. Yeah, true. So she's, she seemed to be really out of sorts. She didn't know right. where she was. She's trying to find Mike. And then pretty quickly she hears voices and sees a portal in the distance and um, hears the sound of soldiers on the other side that are presumably still in real time in the school uh, hunting for her, hunting well, for the Demogorgon. Too, because when she comes, where she comes through, there's the trails of, like, that is where she blew up the heads of... Right. I think, because I, I wondered afterwards if they were removing bodies removing there. Removing the bodies. Yeah, maybe it's because, clean like, up. Yeah. Yeah, but it is people, it's definitely like a SWAT team of some kind that's involved yes. in this. Yeah. Exactly. So she uses her powers to sort of expand the portal, and then um, once the coast is clear, she claw, crawls through this, like, slime. It's like the portal's it's birthing so her. Yeah. <laughs> 
Like, <laughs> like that, hand goes through. That has like, to be that has to be a movie reference. Like I don't know the movie right. well enough, but I'm thinking it's like an alien reference or something. There's definitely sort of a familiar feel Good to call. that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's like she uh, goes through this uh, slimy portal and then ends up on the other side, and uh, no one sees her. No one's around. So the first place she goes is to Mike's house, which has like, and so this is, it is cool to get this, you know, because we didn't get this in season one. We got a bit more, we got a more of a flash forward. So here yes. we get to go back in time a bit and we're in the immediate aftermath and there's all these police and special forces. They have to be lab people. Agreed. Like yeah. they've got like, they've got things in their ears. There's cop cars, but then there's also like, yeah, investigators at a... Whatever level top yeah, like secret CIA lab exactly. people whatever. So we get these this kind of like cool actually this cool shot where you're going through the Wheeler house and you're seeing how everyone's being spoken to and asked questions and so Karen is you know asking about the Russians. This douchebag of a dad is like we're patriots and we'll keep <laughs> like the saluting secret. and like no one is with their son who's being interrogated by intensely yeah. by two plus members of this like I know like. And Mike is there being like, I don't know, but I will never, ever tell you. Yes. And then do you think he sees her through the window? I think that he does. Um, But I think that this is like one of the uh, examples of what Mike is talking about when he says he he thinks he keeps seeing her and hearing her, but she's never there. And uh, so I think it's uh, this. I think that he does see her, but he doesn't know that it's real Agreed. which is another thing that I got wrong which is like uh, I think it was Eleven's voice in the walkie talkie in episode one she's obviously trying to make contact yeah. with him um, and this is maybe just the first of the examples of him thinking he sees her but not being sure and it's like it's, it happens with a, like you know that could be a glare on the window he's looking out into a dark night yes. but obviously sees something enough that then they go out to try and see if I know they on a side note, oh my god, this is just such classic Stranger Things Hawkins lab, <laughs> like bumbling idiots that they have so many cop cars. They are interrogating fucking everyone, and then L just like literally does Standing a three sixty yeah. around the whole house. She's going from window to window, seeing everyone's conversation, yeah. and nobody sees her until Mike my stares god. at the window too long. No. Come on. And they still look at her. Yeah, like, exactly. I mean, have someone stationed outside for the love of God. These guys and the Hawkins police force, as we know, <laughs> just like that scene later where it's like, hey, I advise we don't touch this stuff without gloves on. And he's just like <laughs> knuckle deep into the goo. <laughs> it's like, oh, uh, classic Hawkins it police force. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but um, I mean, I am glad they're idiots because Elle got away. Agreed. Well, and this is the whole world. Like, these kids are the geniuses of the show. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, yes, Elle gets away. Um, so, uh, we have credits. And then we're at the cabin in the woods and Ellen Hopper with Ellen Hopper. And he's making breakfast. So, we're back in present day. Uh, Elle scares the shit out of oh, him fuck, and us. <laughs> I, like, the first time, I jumped 30 feet. Like, it just, they did a great job <laughs> with the, like... I was only kind of half paying attention and they just they did a great job with it and then the second time it's so funny the way she's just like standing she's just there. standing there <laughs> like another et callback absolutely yeah right. um i will say uh not really a criticism but just like uh something 
that I think is going to come back and bite us a little bit later is that they have done a little bit of, uh, you know, Boy Who Cried Wolf with the jump scares in the first couple of episodes. Sure. They have done several examples where it's kind of a big buildup and yeah. then it, t- it turns out to be something completely innocuous. Yeah. And so I think that what's going to happen is that we're going to, like, be conditioned to think that it's going to be something innocuous and, and that it's, it's going to be, be something fucking yeah, terrible. Yeah. yeah, like, it's going to be terrifying. Yeah. One of these times it's going to be not... Devin Gorgon on fire in the hallway of yeah, the house. Exactly. Like, oh, like, oh, shit. <laughs> you guys, this one's for it's real. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Eleven is trying to convince Hopper to let her go trick-or-treating because if she is dressed as a ghost, then the bad men won't see her. But Hopper tells her, you know the rules and you know the answer, which is that they're not stupid. They don't take <laughs> risks. So uh, so no trick-or-treating for her. And instead, uh, they decide to compromise and he teaches um, Word of the day. Eleven yeah. what compromise means. And I thought it was a really cute callback when he explained it as C-O-M promise. promise. Yeah, which is, of course, sort of promise is, like, prominent in season one. Yeah. Um, so, uh, unfortunately, Albert does not keep his promise, but that's this later the in the episode. Part. Yeah. You have to keep your promises to children when you're a grown-up in this case. That's and I know right. It's a very important reason, but not good. Yeah. So uh, he promises her that he's going to buy a bunch of candy, they're going to watch a scary movie, <laughs> and he'll be home by 515. Yeah. Not work out that way. Yeah. Uh, so then we're in Joyce's house, and we just have a moment of panic with her when she goes to wake up Will, and he's bed, bed's made, and he's on his room. Turns out he's just in the bathroom peeing, but kind of a good indicator of Joyce's, like, state of mind. Mental state, exactly, yeah. when it comes to this. Um, and then she helps him get into his Ghostbusters costume, uh, and while helping him, she spots the drawing, Will's an amazing artist, of yeah. the, like, spider thing in the Upside Down that we saw at the in last episode. And she has concerns and she asks if it's another episode that he's had and he lies. And of course, we're going to know that she realizes that that's she sees through the lie. But she lets him. I like how she kind of handles it. Just like, okay. Uh, And then we get this awesome photo montage of all the boys getting into their Ghostbusters costumes with their families. Which is so funny. And it was like it was um, a different camera at with every person, every person taking pictures yeah. like like Karen had a Polaroid yeah. and Lucas's um, mom has the old uh, the flash bulb that actually yes. burnt out do you remember those things yeah oh man yeah uh, so everybody gets different pictures taken with different cameras which I thought was cute and uh, Lucas's sister Erica is just like <laughs> harsh I know <laughs> like, this is why you only hang out with boys <laughs> <laughs> hilarious yeah. And they're obviously, like, super pumped. Um, and so they, uh, the three boys who are still on bikes, because Will's clearly not, uh, meet up at the school. Uh, and this is when they discover that both uh, Mike and Lucas have taken the Venkman yeah. name badge. Everybody wants to be Bill Murray. <laughs> yes. And that uh, Lucas was supposed to be Winston, which seems to mostly be agreed upon in Mike's head and not amongst the group. Yes. Because there's some defense of Lucas here. And then an awkward discussion where basically Lucas should be uh, Winston because he's black, which is like yeah. not cool. No. And Lucas makes the case for why Winston, like nobody wants to be Winston. And he does join super late. And, and like, he makes he a is not a scientist. Great yeah. Like these are all arguments. He's yeah, like, you like, be Winston then. Exactly. 
So this bickering continues until a much larger problem arises, which is that Dustin realizes that nobody is wearing Halloween costumes. Oh my god! No one in the whole school. How? How did they miss this? And then it's like, but it's so. I mean, these are the kids who, in the last season two, just like they're so kind of blinders on when it comes to their passion projects that they just. But like everybody dressed up last year. Do you think it just is like a trend where everyone's like, oh my God, that was super lame. We're not going to do it this year. And then yeah, they I have don't no know. connection I mean, like, to the outside world. I, cool I kind kids. of felt like this was a fun way of uh, the show kind of portraying what it's like to be in the in-between stage between still right. wanting to do things from your childhood and being excited about it. But at varying rates, the your, your peers are starting to kind of grow out of it right. a little bit or whatever. Like I definitely can think back to that time in my life and be like, you're a little bit... It, um, you know, like you still want to do the things that were fun yeah. when you were a kid, but you're worried they're not cool anymore. Yeah. Like, but that's it hasn't sort even of like pre-teen or early teen years. Super true. Yeah. And now they're like, they're interested in girls. And I don't know, we're definitely seeing this kind of like awkward phase. Yeah. And I think that that was just like really portrayed to us in a visceral way. Oh, the like the part in the next scene, which is like a continuation of this scene where they walk in the school and someone's like, who are you going to call? The, the nerds! nerds. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> the funniest thing. Yeah. Uh, and they have no other clothes to change into, so they I know, but are, at least they take, take proton the proton packs. packs off. Just take off the proton packs. But I feel like they're like, I mean, if we're going to be dressed as a Ghostbuster all day, I'm going to wear my they fucking better be pack. Accurate. The pack... That actually does pop open. It's for like the the trap. The construction of these, they clearly have worked for a very long time. They're incredibly topical. I mean, people still dress as the Ghostbusters 33 years later. So I know I loved it when they were like when Dustin and Lucas were thinking about approaching Max, and they're like, "What if she doesn't like Ghostbusters?" And Lucas was like, "Of course she likes Ghostbusters. Like that's not a (laughs) question. The thing is, we're wearing costumes, and she is not. It's not a boat." Ghostbusters. Obviously, everyone loves Ghostbusters. Um, I don't know. It was just like so, so cute and funny. So they clearly don't approach Max here, but they will later. And that's kind of the wrap up to that Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Dustin and Lucas. It's like, I love that they are both partners in crime when it comes to Max and yet also kind of like competing for her And yet that competition hasn't attention. super... It hasn't come out yeah, yet, but... Like the trick-or-treating is interesting because it kind of works out that yeah. it's the three of them, but at some point one imagines that it will not yeah. continue that way. Um, or maybe like maybe we won't get any kind of romantic storyline yeah. going down that path. It maybe just Max, feels like it though. Like the, yeah. there's an infatuation there that's not just like a friendship. A hundred percent, I agree. But I'm thinking like maybe in the same way we're like we're exploring themes of like the guys growing up and right. you know what I mean. Maybe that's it's in there for that and not necessarily for us to actually see yeah. a romantic relationship pursued between one of them. But either way. Um, so Hopper's at Joyce's house and she's showing him Will's drawing and how it perfectly mimics, like it matches up to their backyard. So Joyce is definitely seeing through Will's lie, as you mentioned, and she wonders why he lied to him at all. And Hopper was like, because he's a kid and because kids lie, um, you know, especially when it comes to like worrying your mom. Yeah. 
And uh, so they have the whole conversation about whether what Will is seeing is actually just in his head. And um, Joyce talks about how when he describes it, he doesn't describe it as if it's a nightmare. But um, Hopper is convinced that it's because it's not a nightmare, it's a flashback. It's so they're, neither of them seem to be of the opinion that he is witnessing true happenings currently. Would you agree? Yeah, like she says he feels that they're real, which I think for her is enough to make them very concerning. Yes, and but concerning I, in terms of his health and well-being, not, not that concerning going, in terms of like our world is I in agree. peril. I agree. I don't think that they are taking it to that point, which is problematic. Uh, and then I absolutely think Hopper would have ex- had exposure to people who have PTSD. And, yes. And that is very real. And the yes. flashbacks that they be experiencing. So he is taking from that reference point, which is very accurate, uh, which I'm sure Will also has. <laughs> but like in this case, it seems like it's more science fiction-y than that. And right. for people who just went through that last year, it feels like there's maybe just like a little bit of not taking it quite seriously <laughs> That's enough. right. I mean, like you were in this world. I know. When you got Will out, that world you didn't disappear. You walked through a town yeah. in a different dimension, like whatever. And I know that it's been a year, but it, yeah, it just seems like guys... Yeah. You know? So, I mean, I know, so I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but so we have this scene where they're talking about whether it's real and whether it's not. We have the scene uh, coming up where Will and Mike are talking about whether it's real and whether it's not. And even Will himself doesn't doesn't know whether it's true. And um, so I do think that that's where the camcorder is going to come into play. Right. Ultimately, when even Will himself doesn't know if if he can trust his own eyes, then the the show is going to need to introduce concrete proof to these characters. And I think it's going to come in the way of the camcorder and it capturing something when Will went through to the upside down. Yeah. Um, Which, if that is the case, would kind of be contradictory to what I proposed last podcast, which was that Will is currently in the present world and simply, you know, has some kind of psychic connection or something to the upside down. Because if that were the case, the camcorder can't capture what's in his mind. Yeah. But it's almost like he doesn't need portals like everybody else does right. to be back and forth. However, and, but that's working. I don't feel like he's disappearing from one world and reappearing in the other. Well, they're still seeing ha- him. Exactly. Yeah. He yeah. has a foot in either dimension. Yeah. And both, you know, I feel like he can be seen on both sides yeah. simultaneously. Yeah. Um. So, you know, that would be interesting, especially if maybe he could control it at some point. And like use it to absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so before we finish up with this scene, uh, with, uh, Joyce and Hopper, we get a little bit of sort of like reminiscing when Joyce runs out of cigarettes and takes a drag off Hopper's unfiltered cigarettes. And it kind of like brings them back to sharing smokes, uh, went back when they were in school together. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And there is all caps, romantic tension, reading directly from Jesse. Yeah. like, oh. Like there's a moment they're like laughing and then they just get to this moment where it's like they become uneasy about yeah. it, you know? But it's like they're so natural together and they're so well suited together that it's- I agree. I think that it's more we're building more on the conversation that we had last podcast about Bob. It's yeah. like I mean, I think that Joyce um Joyce Bob is what Joyce thinks she needs. And honestly, I think that um, he could be really good for her. But given that this story is not yet finished, yep. I mean, like, Hopper is her. And I think this is what's feeding rock. into her reaction to Bob later on, too. So we can. Uh, yeah. Because it. Yeah. Uh, so then we're at the Hawkins lab and they are sending in a guy in like his 
spacesuit slash nuclear hazmat hazmat thing. He goes through the uh, double door portal for safety. Uh, and Dr. Owen uh, is the name of Oh, Dude. Paul Reiser. Yeah. Has a name. Yeah. Yay. There you go. Uh, so he's there leading it, watching it, heavily involved. So just in case you didn't catch that in the last episode, he clearly is like super is, involved in what's happening He's the new there. Brenner. Exactly. And um, so this guy has, the guy in the suit has a video feed that's feeding back and forth. He goes through the portal that's in the basement of the Hawkins laboratory. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like outside and it seems like they have like a set of like broadcasting equipment yeah. and like satellites and stuff. And he opens one up. There's like a fried component or battery or something. He's like, yep, that's what it is. Replaces it. And then we see like all of the lights on the whatever control motherboard thing that the scientists had been working on light back up again. So they're clearly, they have some kind of equipment set up in the upside down. It's feeding information back to the lab. But nobody seems concerned for safety beyond radioactivity. In there. He just, it seems like he's done it a hundred times before. I mean, like the only time that we saw someone walk through the portal in in season one was Shepard, R.I.P. Shepard, who like went in on a, what's it called? Uh, like a tether. Yeah. Yeah. And then like it went like really tight and then yeah, really slack. But it's like they think that I think everybody thinks the threat is gone. That that was the one singular monster of the Upside Down. Right. And it's been destroyed. And so now they can still access this other dimension for all kinds of research purposes. But it doesn't seem like they necessarily think that there's something else out there who's going to eat them at any moment. Is there no end to your incompetence? <laughs> Hawkins like, lab. It is, it is crazy. Yeah. Like, I, I don't understand either. But then I do think Dr. Owen has misgivings because he, this scene ends with him rewatching Will's tape about this, like, description yeah. of the feeling he was having, the feeling of evil. So the fact that he's gone back to see that again. I mean, definitely I'm of the opinion, as we discussed in episode one, that Dr. Owens is is not buying into his own sort of bullshit that right. he's feeding to Hopper and right. Joyce about this all being in Will's head. He seems to be of the opinion, or at least believes there's the poss- there's the possibility that this is really happening. Right. Um okay, so like what's what is the deal? They're powering their instruments with uh with like So on the second watch it was like it wasn't that the lights were off on that control board, but it's almost like it resets it to so we saw the lights all go crazy, which to us had always been an indicator that the monster was nearby. Yes. We had talked about that. Um, but it almost kind of like seems to reset them. So I wondered if it wasn't so much that they're powering it as it's like that setup is to get readings. Like they're measuring. Right. Yeah. Or they're using it for something. So it's like it didn't turn off, but it was fried and it wasn't giving them what they needed anymore. And so yes, okay. they had to go in. So they are measuring stuff from the upside down. And then a We're component doing, broke. Running experiments out of it. I mean, they know they started this whole thing to try and have some sort of like communication. Like you know, the, the re, if you go back to the original 
reason Eleven seems to have been developed Cold War-wise? Like, are they still trying to run those kinds of experiments and try yeah. and figure out now that they have a portal in? I don't know, but Yes, anyway. okay. So do you think there's any significance to the component being fried? Yeah. It, is it the same sort of thing that might have happened to right. the crops? Or, I mean, like... Yeah, good call. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't, like... I mean, they don't seem to, again, be concerned, but that's a good... Yeah, that's a good I question. I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't know if it is simply being shown to us to introduce the type of work that the lab that they're is even doing in yeah. or if there's a connection of some kind. I mean, we really don't know at this point. Yeah. Um, okay, so Nancy and Steve, they're working in the library and Nancy goes to sharpen her pencil and is, like, Nancy's not in a good place. No. Nancy and Mike really are, like, suffering after the events of last season. Yeah. Um, so, of course, Nancy is all, is torn up over the loss of Barb. And the guilt she's carrying. Yeah. 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 She thinks that, you know, her actions led to Barb's death. Yeah. I mean, her perceived death. Like, possibility still open. May or may not have happened. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, okay, anyway, so she sees someone who from behind looks a lot like Barb, and it kind of, like, sends her spiraling. Um, she has flashbacks of Barb telling her, this isn't you at Steve's house, and then her telling Barb to just go home. Hmm. Um, and, uh, of course, when the girl turns around, it is not Barb, and uh, Steve kind of shakes uh, Nancy out of it and then in a separate room Nancy's telling him that she can't keep pretending that everything's okay she really wants to tell Barb's parents what happened so that they don't continue to hold out hope and sell their home in the hopes of like getting Barb back um, and uh, Steve is not okay with that yeah. plan he is afraid for their safety he's afraid for the safety of their families he says that they can do anything they want which I assume he means the lab yeah I agree um, so he tells her that they should just go to the Halloween costume party and just pretend they're normal teenagers, and she agrees. And this is, like, a scene where, like, I mean, Steve is such an interesting character to me because I find myself, I just really do, like, fluctuate dramatically. All over the place, and yeah. I really believe his rationale behind this. Like, I'm not saying it's the right decision, but his concern is for their safety and their family's safeties, and he's right. Like, mm-hmm. these are people who can, you know, there's a lot of people involved in this conspiracy theory. It's, am- like, amazing that they've even gotten this far without anybody. Yeah, it's a yeah. big secret to hold on to. It's very important to, ho- important to hold on to it. Nancy is falling apart at the seams, which yeah. is a big problem. At the same time, it's like, on the one hand, I do get where Steve is coming from. It's I not think the that right that advice. is sound... You know, like sound reasoning in terms of why they would keep the secret, and certainly the safety of their families is something they have to consider. And at the same time, just pretending that everything is okay Absolutely. and ignoring it obviously does not work out well. Yeah. Like you still have to deal with the fact that Nancy is not okay, yeah. even if you're not spilling the beans to Barb's parents about what happened to her. Like you can't, you can't just pretend it's all fine and expect it to just go away no it's coming from a good place but it's terrible advice it's a very recurring theme of this season that everybody would prefer that everything just hadn't happened and we can just go back to the way it was before and to quote hopper from a previous scene like it's never going to be like it was before yeah but it might be better eventually but like it's not going to be especially as we find out just how much guilt nancy holds for the fact that she believes that she is personally responsible for Barb's death. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, so Dustin and Lucas finally work up the courage uh, to approach Max and introduce themselves. The scene is just amazing because uh, she is just like so harsh and amazingly sarcastic. And like Dustin, especially, he's just like takes every question as literally, you know, with all the best <laughs> intentions behind yeah. it. Yeah. And just like when he shows his little like trap thing and he's like, no, okay, great. Like, yeah. just keeps no, going. Yeah. Uh, and takes presumptuous as a compliment. Um, so they, you know, have this whole pitch as to that they've agreed that she can come trick-or-treating with them despite the fact that she has not asked. But they're like, you're new and there's lots of bullies and we want you to be safe from the bullies. So come with us. It's yeah, just like, wow, that's so cute. Um, I do not think that Max needs to worry about being bullied. Like, she seems... <laughs> Just the like, fact of, she like... She seems to be able to take care of herself just fine. And she's so cool. And here's these two guys dressed, the only two, like, two of the only four people dressed in Halloween costumes in the entire school are like, you gotta look out for bullies. Yeah. And it's like, guys, like, maybe just look after yourselves a little bit more and you'd be okay. <laughs> but clearly this does have an impact because yes. despite Max's cool and calm exterior, we get a bit more insight into part of her backstory but also the fact that she shows up where they said they would meet yeah I mean like they are so genuine and so earnest and I mean despite the fact that they were not loving the fact that they were the only ones dressed up I think that they are really kind of fine with the fact that they are quote-unquote nerds and they like you know they are just genuinely good guys exactly and uh, it doesn't seem like max has a whole lot of that in her life yeah. so no it does not we're gonna get to that scene yeah Ugh. um okay so eleven's in the cabin alone watching tv uh she is changing the channel with her mind it's convenient when you have to get up to literally still change the channel back in i know like <laughs> um switch the dial um it's actually it's it's um amazing because so normally when we do podcasts i do the notes um but uh jess did the notes this go round which like as i was reading them i was like oh yeah i did not notice that the biggest one was like god i'm so dumb um that like when hopper bangs on the door and you wrote in the notes like l unlocks the door with her you know like telekinesis while she's watching tv in the bedroom i was like Oh my god, of course. Because when I watched that, I was like, how did she get in the bedroom so fast? It's so stupid. Um, Yes, anyway, so she's changing the channels with her mind. Um, She's repeating TV dialogue, and she seems to be learning new words. Also, my god, Um, Susan Lucci's acting in the 80s. I know. I love that that's where she's learning her vocabulary. Oh she has like the God. accent to like, oh, it's... it was crazy. Yeah. It was like Susan Lucci was doing a weird, bad Audrey Hepburn impression. Yeah, it's got a weird kind of, I know what you mean. Yeah, yes. It's terrible. And me- melodramatic doesn't even come close. Oh, my God. Yeah, not even close. Um, so she hears a squirrel outside, which prompts a flashback of her escaping, um, 
from the school out into the in the forest. So like honestly, I felt really bad for this squirrel <laughs> when she like you know used her powers to smash a squirrel up against a tree. But I guess like what else are you gonna do? I know she needed he, to eat. Yeah. Um. So she would rather have egos too. So like exactly, it was nobody's not her first choice. It was to not be her barbecuing choice. squirrel. Yeah. So she's roasting the squirrel, and she is just like still in her dress. Her legs are bare. She's dirty. Her hair has grown out a bit. So. so Time's passed. She has been in the forest for a while. Yeah. Um, and a man approaches her with a shotgun, and it, like, he definitely seems menacing. There was creepiness there. Both times I watched, I was, like, the first, I've, like, it, he's, like, I'm not going to hurt you, but he keeps walking towards her. He's got a gun. It does feel yeah. not Yeah. Like, great. I mean, like, I didn't feel bad that she smashed him, him in out. the head not and stole his stuff. No. Nope. Because, first of all, obviously, you know, we love Elle. And second of all, like... Dude, you're a fucking creeper. Like, yeah. don't, like, slowly stalk an 11-year-old with a... How old is she? Yeah, we just say 11 because <laughs> she's an age. <laughs> no, it's just, like, that number seemed to come to mind for some reason. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, like, Ish. with a gun. Yeah. Um, Do you think that this is how Hopper figures out that she's alive? That's a great question because I did not know, like, how... How did Hopper know to put the food in that, like, wooden box? I know. At the end of season one, we were thinking that they, you know, had this kind of setup where he was, you know, putting it in the box and she was coming to get it and whatever, like, that they were in cahoots with each other. But that is obviously not the case. That is a great theory. I wonder. Like, I wonder if we're going to get that or if it's just as simple as, like, Hopper responded to a couple calls Maybe, like, she stole a little bit of stuff. and they, You know what I mean? Like, it kind of comes in in pieces. And nobody knows of Eleven. Well, this guy, I imagine that this guy would have said, I encountered a girl in the woods. And she then made I, a piece of wood fly with yeah. her mind. Yeah. And then Hopper's and like, pretty distinctive. Oh, shit, like, yeah. I better get myself some Eggos. <laughs> and a box. <laughs> to, to give her. Perfect. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, so Hopper is pulling back into the station and he's pulled up beside a truck that is full of more rotting slash fly infested disgusting pumpkins. And here's where we meet Eugene, the opposite side of the Merrill versus Eugene fight that we saw <laughs> start in the last one. Um, and so Hopper's still only kind of taking it semi-seriously and like, you know, Eugene's point is like, I've been a farmer for like. 35 years, what the fuck, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Until he mentions that there's a bunch of farmers that he now thinks Merrill has poisoned their crops. And that's when Hopper realizes the scope that this has become. Like, this is big. Yeah, and uh, and he's going, he asks for more details there, and of course he's going to investigate it more. Yes. Um, So Max is uh, on her skateboard. She meets up with Billy, the guy from the muscle car, who we assume is her older brother. Um, He's a straight psycho. He's the worst. Like, I honestly, as I was watching this, was thinking about how dumb anyone who had had watched past episode one thought, must have thought I was when I was like, I really think this Billy character is going to give Steve and Jonathan a run for his money. Oh, and like, he's a psychopath, Kim. Um, so... Number one, I no longer think that he is good. Yeah, just to be clear, he is probably not going to get with Nancy. Also, number two, Jonathan Nancy connection is still alive and well. <laughs> it is still alive and well after this um, episode, yes. So that being said, I don't know what relevance Billy is going to have in the story, except to your point that you raised last podcast, that potentially he is 
there for the max storyline. There's got to be a, like, there's a story here, though. And, like, there wouldn't, you know, there's going to, I'm interested. Because he's more than I would have thought he was when I said that last episode, if that makes any sense. So, like, agreed, he's a straight psycho. Like, he's not even playing about hitting the boys. Like, I actually think he might have done it if she hadn't, like, literally Literally grabbed the wheel. wheel, Which is nuts. And then this argument about, like, why are we here? Yeah, what that is interesting. So she says you under her breath, and then we're stuck here. Like, yeah, we're stuck here. Whose fault is that? Yours is what she says. And then she won't say it again. And then he wants her to say, it seems like hers, maybe? Like, he's trying to yeah. get her to say that it's, but like. Exactly, yes. I, I, th- I got that impression. And so what's. Like, what is it? We don't know. Can't even speculate. Yeah. Um, no idea. And like, who are they? Are they living with parents? Is it just them? Like she references where they live at some, like when they're out trick or treating. But like, yeah. Anyway, are they on the lamb? <laughs> I know. Like, there's something that feels yes. Yeah. Um, I have an unrelated question from oh. this scene that um, you know, really kind of ties to the pumpkins. So in well, so in the scene that's about to come up when they're doing the investigation of the pumpkins, they know they note that it smells. Yeah. And then we have the, you know, like terrible cops at their location saying that it smells like a nursing home. Right. And then in this scene with Billy and Max, yeah. Billy says that it stinks. It literally smells like shit. Yeah. And then he rolls down the window and say, like, you smell that. It smells like cow shit. And Max says, I don't see any cows around. Right. Are what Billy and Max smelling, are they smelling the crops? Interesting. Like, I don't know. Is it like, I I don't know that there would be any kind of relevance uh, if they are. But, I mean, it, I don't know. It maybe speaks to, like, the pervasiveness of. Whatever this rotting is. I read it as, like, not related just in the sense that they come from California and now they're living in the country and this is like so what you're telling me is this a classic case of Kim reading (laughs) too much into literally everything that's said well the I don't see any cows sets up the have you seen the girls in the high school line which is like I mean like so that it may be that or it like but that's a really good point and I just didn't even think of it so I am not saying that you're overreading it <laughs> like, and I don't know what they meant when they so they say it smells like an old folks home in the next scene and then yeah. um, Hopper says follow the rot and I was like do they mean it smells like rotting which is not what I I know I don't, I don't know like I don't know immediately what they would be referring, referring to, to when they yeah. say it smells like an old folks home yeah like, I was um, like, formaldehyde? Yeah, like, I, I don't, don't know. know. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, so Hopper's out at Eugene's pumpkin farm. Just like at Merrill's, the pumpkins are all black and covered in flies. So he's following the rot into the trees and realizes there's this, like, goo substance, which w- looks a hell of a lot like the goo that was on Eleven's hand when yeah. she was trying to go through the portal in the first scene. Um, so the other officers on a different farm, they have a very similar situation and, uh, Hopper asks them to track the rot to see if they can follow it. That's going to take them all day. They, (laughs) I feel like, I know, I like literally into the dark. Hopper is like still like putting flags when it's dark out. Um, I was also thinking that it would be interesting if the tracking of the rot, um, led to one area where they converge maybe the site of a portal. I was wondering that too. And we know we've been in the forest where a portal has been in a tree before. Yes. Like it does feel kind of like, I, yeah. I had that kind of 
similar thought too, but also is what is happening to this vegetation the same thing that happened in the upside down to make it look the way it looks now? Oh, interesting. Like, why are these fly things everywhere though? Like, that's not know. normal rotting. Like, it's you know what I mean. Like, if it's just normal rot, yeah, there'd be like fruit flies, but there wouldn't. Like, this kind of feels like, like, uh, like locusts like it, and stuff. Like, it's like it feels like, um, mm, like, like a, decay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like really intense, you know, and it's it's not just like, you know, if you left those pumpkins out in the field, they would eventually rot, but not this, I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, it does feel different than just like something has made these pumpkins rot. Yeah. It's not normal. It's yeah. covered in goo. It stinks. And I mean, like, this is alien level shit right here. That's right. Um, I, I, I think that. It may be something related to, like, the, you know, whatever made the Upside Down look like it does. Like, what if at some point the Upside Down was essentially a parallel universe that looked very much like our own? And whatever is doing the rot to the pumpkins did the same thing in the Upside Down, turning it into this wasteland that we know totally. about Totally. I mean, my thought has always been that it feels like nuclear wasteland, though. Like, it feels right. like it's like it's got high... Well, they do talk an awful lot about radioactivity. Radioactivity. It's got kind of nuclear winter going on with all the, like, ash in the air. It almost feels like a place where, like, the Cold War went the other way, the bombs dropped, and, like, something happened. And so, like, are these, are, like, the Demogorgon and the giant spider monster? Like some evolution of something? Some kind of, like, yeah, like, nuclear... Yeah, I wonder... Because um, I agree, evolution. like it's like yeah, it's like that multi. Well, that's the multi-dimension theory, right? That there's like these huge number of dimensions, and maybe it's like you know chaos theory where like a butterfly flapped its ring- wings differently in one of them, and suddenly mm-hmm. like the whole world is completely different. But yes, one has like now we did talk about that in season one a bit, and it was addressed um, briefly in the show only when the boys were talking to Mr. Clark, yeah, and Mr. Clark was saying you know like. There's another world out there potentially where Will didn't die. Yeah. Um, you know, when they were at Will's funeral. And the boys were like, that's not at all what we're talking about, actually. And then they go into the description of the Upside Down, which is also, I can't remember what it was called, the right. Shadow World or something like that in Dungeons, Dungeons and Dragons, Dragons yeah. terms. Um, but, I mean, at the same time, I feel like that's a very interesting idea that could really hold water. So... Um, we'll see. But yeah, like there was, a, I did have a, a, I had a lot of thoughts about these rotting pumpkins and none of those thoughts actually brought me to any kind of conclusion. It was just questions. They're definitely, yeah, it raises a lot. It's clearly not going to be able to be ignored. The people of Hawkins who like to ignore absolutely everything will not be able to ignore this for like much longer. So it'll be interesting to see. I agree that there could be some sort of convergence or something based on the tracking of it. I think Hopper's on the right idea to do that and try and see where it goes yeah yeah um so then we have bob showing jonathan how to use the camcorder uh he's dressed as dracula with his i hope it doesn't suck line (laughs) um and so it's that's like in their house and then jonathan is driving will and he says he doesn't know what joyce sees in bob um but will says at least he doesn't treat you know, him differently, doesn't treat Will differently. Uh, and he kind of references that everybody else thinks he needs kind of excessive 
babysitting and hand-holding. Yeah. Uh, and Jonathan tries to play it off as, like, oh, you don't want to hang out with me. But he makes a good point. Will's like, you know, Nancy's not taking Mike trick-or-treating. Like, right. you're watching me. And I think Jonathan gets the point that... He still makes a bad decision, though. Yeah, he shouldn't leave him. He shouldn't have left him. I mean, I get what he is trying to do. He's trying to make Will feel normal. And he seems to be the only one that Will is really confiding in, in terms of um, how he truly feels about how people are treating him. Because to Will's credit, he does a really great job of accepting Joyce's kind of like overprotectiveness without whining or complaining. You know, when, when Joyce is you know running through the rules yet again and when Joyce is telling him that he can come home is you know if anything feels at a place or whatever he doesn't roll his eyes he says no problem mom whatever yeah but Jonathan is the one he's confiding to about how he really feels so I get Jonathan's inclination to want to give him his space and at the same time based on what actually happened like but like could he really have stopped that from happening no and like I also think it sets up this great conversation between Will and Mike and I think this is a show where The answers come from those kids and those kids are like the only ones who are able to truly get into what is really happening because they they're open to the fact that, you know, the upside down could even exist. And adults are like, well, that's just impossible. And they ignore it. And Jonathan, we talked about Nancy and Jonathan kind of bridging between those two worlds in the last season. And so the fact that he's not there and is given the space allows Mike and Will to have this very important conversation I completely agree. Yeah. I absolutely yes, agree from, like, that a parenting in ter- decision yes, exactly. In terms of the logistics yes. of the show, it's great that yeah. that Jonathan wasn't there to allow for this to happen. Yeah. And at the same time, if you were a parent or an older brother who was responsible and then found out that this happened when you were supposed to be watching yeah. them, like that wouldn't have been yeah. awesome. But I completely agree. Yeah. He wouldn't have been able to stop it from happening. And now we have this great conversation between Will and Mike. And like Will's happiness when he gets like that's the happiest we've seen Will in a very very long time. So yeah. like I can. See see why he does it and he decides to go to the party jonathan, jonathan does yes yeah not exactly um so at the party uh this is like a legit party <laughs> it <laughs> really is, is this is not like a hangback yeah. at steve's place by the pool no. where it's supposed to be a party and instead no, it's is, five people two yeah. couples plus barb yeah this is like a legit party. Yeah. Um, so Billy is doing a keg stand. He is shirtless in a leather jacket. I don't know who he's supposed to be. Uh, <laughs> he's just Billy. Just like, shirtless in a leather just jacket. Just a dirt bag. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so he has definitely like amassed a crew of followers. Right? Yeah. Like he's been there for like a day. Yeah. Yeah. A couple days at most. And they're all like, Billy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which feels genuine to me. Agreed. Yeah. These are like, like the. These are the guys who clearly were Steve's friends because that's who they run to to be like, you're not the keg king anymore. And I'm sure they're the same guys who when Steve was coolest, like they were like cheering him on. And you have to like, you do have to give Steve some credit. He just kind of like. He doesn't give a shit. Agreed. Uh, He is no longer the obnoxious keg king. And seems totally fine with that. That is definite character development from season one. Yeah. Like, um, Yeah. He's a better person now. I still don't like him. Yeah. And I don't like him for Nancy, but he is a better person. Yeah, exactly. 
Um, so Steve and Nancy are dressed as Joel and Lana from Risky Business. I did not know that. I learned this from your notes. The internet told me that. I had to look it up. Like I thought that they were like Johnny Cash and um, June Carter fair. Cash. It's incredible. Well, the, the funniest thing, and I also read this on the inter- like on the article I was reading, was like he earlier referenced we've worked so hard on these costumes. Really? Yeah. He says he's like when he's t- convincing her they should go to the party. He's like. We've worked really hard right. on our costumes. Let's like, go. So I was like, oh, this is going to be good. And then he's there wearing a, a like, t-shirt, a blazer. And exactly. And the sunglasses. sunglasses. And she's in her like all white outfit. I mean, if you see the scene and like you can look it up, you can see what they're referencing. She, They look like the characters from Risky Business. Risky Business came out in 83. So it was from like a year previous. But like. That is obscure. Obscure. I actually feel like it was a great ploy to get. Stranger Things watchers to be like, who the hell who are, are they? they? <laughs> like, absolutely. I don't know. There's like, but then again, I mean, like, there were a lot of costumes that I absolutely didn't get. Yeah. Who was the chick that Jonathan was talking well, to when they came that's in? That's why he says Kiss. I know, but yeah. she isn't actually dressed no. as someone from Kiss. Yeah. Who is she? Yeah. I don't know she's who she's like dressed up as. Kiss ask person. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um. So Nancy starts drinking the uh, pure fuel mix in the kitchen. <laughs> And then Steve tells her Steve tells her to take it easy, but Nancy kind of throws his words back at him when she's like, "We're just being stupid teenagers, right?" Oh yeah, yikes! That's gonna escalate. Um, so Joyce puts on his favorite Kenny Rogers. <laughs> oh, so appropriate! I know islands in the stream, and he's just so cute. He gets Joyce to dance with him, and she's really reluctant. And she, you know, says that. She knows that it's silly, but when Will's not with her, it's like she just can't function properly. And he's just, like, the best at this. He's like, that's not silly. Yeah. And then I think he proposes a very solid plan, which is to get the fuck out of Hawkins. What is her reluctance to leave Hawkins, I wonder? Let us, like, I I do not understand. Because, like, I can't imagine it would be anything but positive. It's other than Will's tie to his friends. And I wonder if. If that plays into it somewhat, but she references, she's like, it's hard to explain, but this is not a normal family. Yes, and Bob's but like, to well, it Bob's could be. point, like it could be. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I don't get her reasoning here. She really didn't offer any reasoning. They're still in the house where all these horrific things happened. If the phone rings, it like everybody's on edge. Mm-hmm. She still takes him back to this lab every... So maybe that's it. Maybe right. it is the fact that Will is still going through an incredibly difficult time. He does. She doesn't want to, like, introduce more right. change and, like, take him from his friends. And they are in the proximity of the only doctors and scientists who actually know what Will went through. So any hope as we see in that scene, earlier scene with Hopper, when they're talking about the other quacks that they have right. taken Will to, in other cities, yeah. this is their only option. So maybe that's it. Is it also possibly that she's just a little Hopper bit in love with is Hopper? in Hawkins? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, I do think you see a little bit more just if you're interpreting looks and stuff that maybe Joyce is a little bit... Bob is more into this relationship than than Joyce yes, is. Yeah, know? exactly. Like, and it maybe for her, you know, it's a great like escape. looks between each other. Yeah, yeah, like you know? the way they look at each other. But and... he's truly in love with her. So, yes. like last episode, we got you know them making out in the back of the storeroom. It's very fun. Yeah, but maybe it's not as and it seems to be new because he does say like 
when he suggests this, that he agrees he's moving quickly. So yeah, I absolutely got the same impression. It seems like Bob is genuinely in love with her. And it's like Joyce is trying to convince herself to be in love with him. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Because she's in love with Hopper. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I mean, like that and other reasons. But like maybe she doesn't even know she's in love with Hopper yet. (gasps) It's going to come. Um, okay, so we've got a cut to the boys who are trick or treating, and uh, I love this <laughs> when they went when they go to a house. She's like, "Oh, look, a little exterminators!" <laughs> and then, like, it's almost like because, like, in retaliation, they grab giant handfuls of candy from their like woman. Just yeah. give me this candy. Yeah, uh, and then they have an in depth discussion about uh, nougat. And whether or not Three Musketeers is like... I'm on Team Destin on this one. I think those are delicious. Really? Yeah. See? (laughs) 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 I could eat a bowl of nougat too. Me and Destin. Oh, my mom was just telling me that uh, last year when they were handing out candy, that uh, that a little kid told her that they should not be handing out coffee crisp because it's too adult. And that, and that if they really want to like get what the kids want, they should be handing out Mars bars. Oh, <laughs> uh, kids are fun. This free candy you're giving me is not the right free candy, lady. Exactly. Can I just tell you? What? I'm not gonna drink a cup of coffee, so I don't. I obviously am not gonna coffee eat a coffee. For the parents. Drink. Those are my That's favorite. So true. I love those. Um, so they get, uh, they get super scared by a Mike Myers mask and it turns out that it's Mad Max. Yeah. And I think it's Lucas. Is it? screams like a high pitched girl. It's amazing. Oh my scream. God. I watched that several times yeah. trying to it's decipher kind of like points, who it was. But you don't know who it is. Yeah, yeah. Like they didn't make it super clear, but yeah. I do think that it's Lucas. Um, so she kind of like heckles them good naturedly, but then like joins them to do their trick or treating. Lucas and Dustin are super pumped. Mike is not no, happy not at happy. all. Yeah. And I love Will too, because he's just like great. Awesome. I know. Will is really sweet. Yeah, I is. mean, we didn't actually get to know Will much in You're right. season one. And just in these first couple of episodes, it really becomes so clear. Like, he is a really good kid. Go with the flow, kid. just like whatever makes people happy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Hopper is still out in the woods marking the trail, which we've referenced, and it's dark. He hears a noise. He kind of draws his gun. It's freaked out. There's, like, mist everywhere. And um, then he hears, like, a bang, and it's this freaky kid of Eugene's, <laughs> who I personally think is lucky he did not get shot. Like, I just, like, <laughs> don't... Pull a fake gun on a police officer who's in nerves. The dark. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, this guy is like the kid is like four. Yeah. He doesn't know little, any better, know, but even still, like, like uh, yeah. but yeah. this energy change reminds Hopper that kids and Halloween and whatever. Oh shit! I said I would be back by five one five. So he is late for L, and he takes off, and then backs up and buys all the kids candy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then leaves again. Right. Um, okay, so Elle's watching Frankenstein. She is unimpressed that Hopper is late. She gets the signal from Hopper, which turns out to be Morse code, and uh, it's um, sent on channel 11. Yeah. I didn't notice that either. Yeah. That's pretty like, cool. Aw. Yeah. Uh, so he sends the word late by Morse code, and uh, the code continues, but she is no longer listening. 
Uh, and then there's a flashback of her in the snowy woods and she comes across the box where the egos and the food has been left by Hopper. Uh, so she kind of takes off with it and seems very surprised uh, to have found it. The box is snow covered, so it is not something she has visited before yeah. or often. It's probably been a little while since. Yeah. 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 Um. So the boys get to the rich neighborhood where the full-size chocolate bars exist. Rich people are suckers. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Dustin and Lucas are talking to Max. They're trying to impress her with the pronunciation pronunciation of tubular. 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 And she's kind of laughing and joking with them, which is fun. But uh, Mike is not happy. He says that Max is ruining the best night of the year. And yeah. Will should have talked to him before voting in favor of it. And like, it's, I mean, it's. I think it's obvious that Mike doesn't necessarily have anything against Max. Max. Yeah. It's just that he misses Eleven, and having Max there probably reminds yeah. her of him. And probably Sorry, feels like the other her. guys are able to be moving on, yeah. and they'll let someone else new into the group, and it's like, we've already lost a group member, and people are not, right? you know, like there's, yeah, I completely agree. So, I mean, like, it is completely missed on everyone, everyone, I think, that definitely Dustin and Lucas are taking on the Mike role in terms of their infatuation with Max, and Mike's infatuation with Eleven last season and yeah. that um, Mike is very much the Lucas of this scenario from season That's one right. but kind of to the extreme um, yeah so I mean hopefully Eleven will come back there'll be one big happy group there'll be up a kick ass woman yes in the group a girl so yeah I mean I hope that Sullen Mike doesn't last too long yeah. because I love um, the really kind of like a little bit naive, but like constantly optimistic Mike that we had in season one. I want him back. Yeah, I agree. This is, and this doesn't suit him and it doesn't feel like what he actually is. So I agree. Yeah. Um, so then Will kind of gets separated from the group. We've talked about this, but this is where he has this experience after some kids are like in his face when he falls, they knock him over and he falls down. He seems to be in, the upside down, for lack of a better description, all those things we've discussed. And so he's there, and then it's like a shadow starts to, like, rise up, and it eventually takes the form of that, like, long-legged spider thing. Yeah, it's like a giant daddy long legs. Yeah, like, spider's the wrong thing, because it only seems to have four legs, but it has, like, right. four very long legs and, like, this long head. I feel like we should continue to call it Spider Monster for a lack of anything else, but eventually we'll get a name. For we'll it. get a name for Agreed. it. Agreed. Yeah. Um, so he is very obviously frightened, and um, he takes like he takes off running, and he ends up hiding underneath like behind the house. And to your point earlier, Kim, this is where it like it feels like he is still in the real world because that's where Mike finds him and is able to be like, "What's going on?" And mm -hmm. suddenly he's back with it. So like whatever happened there um the boys are all of the boys are obviously concerned like they're they all understand that this is a big deal and mike offers to take him home because he was bored anyway so yeah. he gets his little kick in there but like um there's they're not just like passing it off obviously no and will isn't either i yeah, mean like agreed. you know like when joyce like, confronts fine. him about the drawings or whatever he passes that off right and it's like he is incapable of saying like oh i'm okay whatever like he's not okay yeah 
Um, yeah, like he was visibly terrified. And uh, so when he drops the camcorder, we definitely don't see it again in this episode. Yeah. So whether or not it is still left there on the ground, I'm inclined to think that it is. And that, you know, like it potentially continues recording after. Yeah, I wonder. Or do you think the other boys picked it up? I mean, like, yeah, I just think, I don't think that it's sitting there indefinitely. I'm just thinking that, like, you know, there is a period of time beyond the, you know, beyond the split second that both the camcorder and Will were in the upside down at the same time. Or, like, Will runs away immediately. So even though Will is not in the same space as the camcorder, I think it continued to record for whatever period of time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so back at the party, Jonathan arrives and, uh, he meets the girl who he thinks is from, uh, dressed up from Kiss. Yeah. Uh, Nancy is super drunk and wants to continue to drink, but Steve tries to stop her and ends up just spilling a giant cup of red booze all over her white shirt. Uh, so, uh, she, they go to the bathroom to clean it up and, uh, Steve wants to take her home. She won't have it. She says she's just pretending that everything's okay. Just like they didn't kill Barb. <laughs> uh, so I obviously think that Nancy is being too hard on herself yes. here. They did not kill Barb, yeah. obviously, but like, um, she is replaying those words that she said to Barb over and over. And, um, yeah, she's feeling There's a lot of guilt really that she's holding guilty. On. Yes, no, the Demogorgon killed Barb. Like, the, Nancy did not. But yeah. there's a series of unfortunate events that led to that, and she has a lot of guilt for that. So um, she just keeps saying to, to Steve that everything is bullshit. He is bullshit. All of it is bullshit. All they're doing is pretending to love each other and pretending to be normal teenagers. And Steve is like, I'm sorry, pretending to love each yeah. other? Uh, yeah, it all comes bubbling out. Truth comes out when you're drunk. That's right. Yeah. Well, and she says it, yeah, like he really picks up on it because she's like, oh, we're just pretending everything's okay and that we're in love. And he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, what do you mean? Yeah. Exactly. So Steve leaves upset and Jonathan sees him go. And then obviously we see in a later scene that Jonathan is the one who ends up helping Nancy home. Um, yeah, so... Jonathan wasn't at that party for too long. No. And he just kind of like, well, maybe we just skip to that part too. Like, so he takes her home, puts her to bed. And then do you think you just like, you get a sense that there are feelings there from yes. that scene? Yeah, I do. I didn't really pick up on any vibes between Jonathan and Nancy in episode one, though granted it was an incredibly brief Quick, exchange. Yeah. So I did leap to some conclusions there. But yeah, in this one, there was, there, there were feelings there, yeah. I think. Yeah. Uh, so Mike and Will are talking in Mike's basement, and this is where Will is telling him what he's gone through, and his description is that he feels like he's stuck between two slides of a viewfinder. So he doesn't yeah. know how to explain it fully, to your point of what we were talking about. Um, and he tells him kind of what he saw and heard. He said it wasn't the Demogorgon, it was this huge shadow in the sky that was alive and coming for him. So this is a bit different than how he described his other feelings, where he's like, felt that everyone else was in danger, but he wasn't. Like, Mm -hmm. he did feel like he was in danger here and seems to have been very scared by it. So, like, I'm not sure if that's different or he was describing it differently. The only thing that I would say is that, like, he did say that it wanted to kill before everyone but him. Right. And in this description, he said it was coming for him. Right. So maybe it wants him for something. Yeah. He he is a part of that world. maybe he's the way to get, yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, maybe it has plans for him in some way. Yeah. Yeah. 
which is uh, terrifying. <laughs> uh, so Mike asks if it's real or if it's in his head, and Will says he just he doesn't know, and he doesn't want Mike to tell the others because they won't understand. And it's where Mike is like, well, Eleven would have. And of course, to your point about not seeing Will in the last season, he didn't get to spend time with Eleven. So right. he, it's like he's like, oh, like would she have you know like it's it's an interesting because we're so used to seeing all those characters right um and this one mike says that he sometimes feels like he still sees her um and that she's still around but she's not and so they just talk about how they're going kind of going crazy together so we know that they're like both facing very very real things that they're not sure are real like it's yeah they you can totally see how they're bonding more even more i mean they're very close but like, yeah over that. absolutely um, so Hopper arrives at the cabin and he does his special knock, but there's no reply. So he ends up just shouting through the door like, kid, open up. I'm sorry I'm late. I'm going to freeze to death yeah. out here. I brought candy. So uh, Eleven eventually unlocks the door with her brain. Uh, and uh, when Hopper comes in, there's another door between them because she has moved the TV into her, into the bedroom and locked the door behind her. So uh, Hopper, despite his best efforts to get her to come out and save him from eating all the candy this and potentially so having a heart attack. It's very unhealthy to leave me out here. <laughs> <laughs> um, she does not come out or unlock the door. So instead she um, she switches the TV to a channel that shows just static and then blindfolds herself and is able to concentrate to get back into this sort of neutral zone, the in-between place. And uh, that's impressive. I think that that's showing a uh, growth of her powers. I was going to say this earlier too. Like I do feel like we're seeing her powers having grown. Mm-hmm. Just the fact that she's using her telekinesis for just mundane things around the house. Like yeah. she's knocking a nosebleed when she's just doing smaller kind of actions. I think she's like stretching that muscle for lack of a better. T- and yeah, the fact that she's able to focus with not needing the sensory deprivation tank that yes. she's able to do that with the static and the yeah no blindfold. yeah yeah exactly so um she concentrates and gets back into that place and finds mike you know so she's able to project mike's image of where he is and what he's doing into that in-between space and so he's in the blanket fort he's wearing his ghostbuster suit so this is like you know in real time um that He's trying to contact Eleven on the radio just like he was last episode. And uh, she, like, gets very close to him and says his name. And he seems to he seems to hear her or hear something, I but agree. he can't see her. Yeah. And then, uh, like, I think that it's pretty clear then that in episode one, when there was a breakthrough on the radio and we hear Eleven's voice, that that was, was real. Her. Yeah. And uh, even though I said, like, I don't know, why wouldn't she just, like, speak freely? So it does seem as, the, as if, you know, she is not allowed and is not supposed to actually be communicating with Mike, but in doing it in this way, she's breaking through. And I think the only reason she's obeying that is because of the risk she would knows she'd be putting Mike at Mike because in. she doesn't really care for her own safety. She's pretty nonchalant. I think her reason for staying away is more that putting others in danger. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so she goes to touch his face, but he moves away too quickly, and they don't make contact, and she's sad. And then kind of takes the the blindfold off and cries, and she gets a nosebleed and. Poor Eleven. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. I wonder, like, honestly, maybe this is, like, 
a silly question, but like, what's what is Hopper's long term plan here? Yeah, I know. ultimately, if if uh, you know, there's going to be something happen in the show. I have no doubt that essentially prompts Eleven and Hopper to sort of come out of their cabin and out of hiding. Um, because there's going to be danger of some kind or whatever. Eleven is going to need to get involved. But, like, from Hopper's perspective, if none of that happens, is he just going to, like, have her live in this cabin forever? I know, I thought that, too. It's like, she's not getting an education. She's not getting, like... Like, he and Joyce should take the kids and move out of town. Like, that was basically where it was going to go at the end of last season until it all went to shit, right? Like, Mm -hmm. Joyce was connecting with her, but, yeah... I, I, it feels like it was a short-term solution that's turned into a longer-term solution, and nobody knows what to do, so they just kind of, like... Keep going. Keep going, yeah. So the final scene is Dustin outside of his house by himself. We hear that same thing in the trash can, the weird noises. It's like, yeah, like chittering that we're, that we're hearing everywhere in all of the cornfields right. and pumpkin fields and whatever. And the chittering is also what they're calling it, even when Will was in the upside down, that he can hear coming from all sides. Mm-hmm. That's how the closed captioning is describing it, and it yeah. is everywhere. And, it's and yeah, like Will, when he was before. describing what he was seeing to Mike, said that there was this sound everywhere. everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Dustin pulls out his proton gun, which is amazing because it yeah, doesn't, it doesn't work, Dustin. <laughs> and approaches the garbage can, screams, lifts the lid, goes quiet and says, holy shit, it gets cut off and credits. So again, please have incredible admiration for the fact that neither we of us kept watching. But like, you know what? I feel like I know what's in there. Okay, what is in there? Gremlins. <laughs> That was the greatest answer of all time. Yes! It's exactly what it, it feels like. It's something cute. Like, it doesn't... Yeah, like, I really... 100%. I feel like it is going to be a throwback to Gremlins in amazing. some way, which is an amazing 80s movie. And, I mean, like... I, I cannot wait till we recap season... Or episode three. And we get so, to hear whether this is on point or not. So, I feel like it is going to be some kind of creature from the furby. upside down. that, But that one that is, like... One that is non-threatening. Yeah. And he does not or seem at least scared. at face value. Like his he reaction seem is scared not scared. It's surprised or whatever, but it's not necessarily frightened. Uh, and and then, then the whole storyline where they're like, guys, what are we gonna do with this? It's this could not go this is what the entire last seven episodes are gonna be about. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. They're just raising their gremlins. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> oh, amazing. So it ends with the Ghostbusters theme, which if you hadn't heard that in a while. It's fucking awesome. Always fun. So that is it. Episode two. Yeah, I loved it. I'm going to go watch. It is, what time is it right now? It is currently uh, 12.30 a.m. I'm going to watch episode three. Absolutely. This is, yeah. We we put it off long enough. So so thank you guys. Uh, send your feedback to kjrecaps.com slash feedback. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And if you could leave a rating or review in your in iTunes, that would be amazing um, to really kind of help spread the news of the podcast. And we will be back shortly with episode three. Yeah, can't yeah. wait. Thanks, guys, for listening. Thanks. Thanks, bye. Bye.